Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, campus pastor at Conduit Church, joined by our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, and I'm glad to be back in the saddle. Dude, we are so freaking excited to have you back. Like, I didn't know how the lights worked. I didn't know how to turn anything on. <laughs> I felt like... um this is, but this is, what, this is the difference between dogs and cats. Like you get home, the cat could literally care less, but the sure. dog's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're home. I don't yeah. think works. That's how I felt when you walked in. Yeah. Like I, was, I had to do my best to not jump up on on you and, and like lick your arm. <laughs> I was well, so excited I, to have you yeah, back. Yeah, that would have been awkward. Yeah. I did notice, I mean, I have to say I did notice. I mean, I tried not to notice anything, right? Like I tried to detach. Yeah, how did that go? It went very poorly. The first, <laughs> the first 10 days. I failed miserably at stepping away and detaching completely because um, I was still trying to peek in and you know watch the live stream on a Sunday, which was in good with good intentions. Yeah, yeah. It did not go well because you know in my brain I'm taking notes of everything that's. Yep. What did you notice that that we were doing wrong? Well, uh, well, um, well, like for the for the live stream that particular Sunday, like somebody changed the lights on stage they were a different color and then they started being different colors for each song and some when you when you watch it live it's different obviously than an experience in the building yeah and certain colors on camera do not translate like they wash people out or they make them look really evil because it's like red lights just really harsh in contrast it's almost like a james cameron like cartoon movie like avatar so I'm just kind of worship. freaking out. I'm seeing the lights are changing, like it's a rock concert. I'm like, what is happening? This looks <laughs> terrible. There's a couple lyrics that were wrong that was coming across. That for sure couldn't have been the week that I'm thinking of when I we uh, I'm standing in the back because you're gone. Keith is uh, sunning himself in uh, Florida or wherever yeah. they were, and and worship starts and it's time to like dim the lights in the auditorium and. I lean over to the, uh, Leanne. She's running. She's like, hey, Leanne, can you, can you hit the lights? And she's like, nobody knew how to dim the lights. Literally nobody knew how to turn the lights down. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is exactly like at home where I don't know how to work the remote anymore. And the, and it's a you – know, we're looking. If I hit that button, I wonder yeah. what – so we just decided to go with what, what it was. And, oh, no. Um, anyway. Well, it, it's, it's sad because it, it means that uh, I, I have not trained well, so I need to train up some folks to understand how the lights work. So I, I'll, I'll accept that responsibility. Well, and on the other hand, if uh, some of our uh, church folks ended up, man, I, the, the lighting just sucks at Conduit. We're going to church <laughs> of the city. If that's all it takes. If that's yeah. all it took, maybe maybe uh, I'll send Whitehead an email <laughs> wishing him well with that. But, anyway. but I did notice that there's been kind of a, a lapse in some podcasts. I will say that. <sighs> Micah and I have been busy, man. You've been busy. That's good. Busy. And then, uh, you know, these things are not easy to do. Right. Yeah. I know. Right? And then, you know, I was doing I was doing the meetings. and uh, It's hard to do it maybe by yourself. You kind of need a partner in crime to do these. Yeah, it turns out. Yeah. Uh, so so we're, we're back in business. We we're got back, gra- baby. We got some ground to cover. Oh. And, it feels uh, good to be back, honestly. Yeah, it is good. It's good to be back in the building. I miss my friends, and uh, it was a fantastic time away. Just really grateful for just even the opportunity to catch my breath and reset my mind and my heart. 
and I uh, learned a lot. Good. Learned a lot about myself and uh, I think that, want to do better. You know, it's when we do something like that, um, as, as a church, we actually preach a sermon without saying a word, right? Which is um, Jesus literally never called us to sacrifice our, our families on the altar of ministry. And if there's anything that we know, uh, if you've ever been around ministry at all, like there's literally no end to the need. And so we can get um, so drawn in. Like the idea of a 40-hour work week where you come clock in and clock out is, sure. is kind of hilarious. It's just like a lifestyle where we get a, a check. Right. Um, and no exactly. com- and zero complaints. And that's kind of the, the thing you and I were talking about earlier uh, this week was that I feel like we have built a culture where we're not driving staff to do this, to, to just pour your life out and bleed for the conduit and you know, whatever the kind of language we would use. Um, but what I had not previously thought about was that we've only really we're all entrepreneurs that have, that are on, almost everybody here on staff yeah. is either currently or formerly an entrepreneur, and so without us having to use a bullhorn or force tactics, it's more like we're having to force people to take oh, right. their time off as opposed to time on. So it's like, oh, we we still have to work on this. It's just a different problem we're solving. So for me, I was just really proud of you for doing it because you preached a sermon to your family, you preached a sermon to our church that you are, uh, your soul is as valuable as everyone else's. And by taking that time off, uh, something that, and it's so funny because everybody else is like, well, of course you took a month off. We love it. Everybody take a month off. It's just different. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. I, you know, it's different. And I, I did it a, a couple of years ago and felt the same kind of thing of like, um, I, you know, like when I worked at a grocery store, if I had gotten a month off, right? I mean, see you later, yeah. fools, man. I'll be at the yeah. beach. But I don't know. I don't, we don't really view this as a job. We view this as what God has called us to do and created us for. And so, but that almost is worse because then you do need to make time for that. And so, uh, obviously, my wife is participating in that. Uh, yeah. Right now, so today is like I was like her first week of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, the, the debate we're having at the house is whether she needed a sabbatical with me or from me. And I, I think it's <laughs> sort of a combination at this point. So anyway, yeah. welcome back, Mo. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be back. And um, so we're diving in to Romans. We're, we're, we're into chapter four in the past couple of weeks. Um, obviously, we've gone through three and four. And, and, and to be completely honest... You're not as far along Romans as I expected when I came back. Yeah, you've, uh, we did grid this out. We should be on chapter six or something like, like chapter that. Chapter eight, oh, we technically. Were. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're not. We're going at a snail's pace here. But it's all really good stuff. It's very important stuff. Um, you know, you can make plans and you should make plans. Um, but sometimes those plans get derailed. And, and for the better. For the better because there's some really, really um, deep theological uh, information in these chapters that Paul is writing that are applicable to today's world, that like square between the eyes with what's happening in in culture, in American culture especially. And so what's true about you is the current sermon series. We're in chapter four. And this week you you dove into a few things. Um, Boy, did we. And, and over the past couple of weeks, it's really been this idea of justified versus forgiven. Do you want to give maybe yeah. just a little snapshot of those two words and how they're applied here in this chapter? Yeah, because I think that, I don't know, like a, a younger version of me read justified or righteous and whatever. And it, 
like that's not necessarily language that we use in our daily life. Um, like I, I'm not uh, having conversations with my neighbor about whether I'm righteous or not. Um, but at the same time, even though the the word isn't one that we would maybe use, the concept is that. And that was what Paul was driving home in, uh, in Romans 4, especially, is that this idea that um, we're all driving to be justified, uh, to be righteous. And the, the actually the word justified and righteous is actually the same Greek word uh, in it. It, it. So it's sort of the same concept. But the, the idea of being justified is like, not justifying my behavior, but justifying my existence, um, which is different. So, so just to back up, forgiveness, we would say um, Orthodox Christianity, 2,000 years. Now, there's some knuckleheads lately that have decided that they've discovered something that somehow everyone else missed for 2,000 years, which is that Jesus did not die for your sins. Um, but, I mean, he actually says in chapter 3, he specifically for the atonement of your sins. But... Um, but we would all say forgiveness of your sins. Um, for the most part, everybody would agree on that. Um, but there's these other, this other concept, which, which is justified, which is um, in, in the old uh, Southern Baptist way, they would say it's, it's just as if I'd never sinned before. Right. Um, and that's kind of it. But it's um, but man, it's an income. It's, it's not less than that, but it's so much more than that, um, because at the core of who we are. Uh, we would call it making it or success or with our marriage or whatever that thing is. Um, like when you've met somebody, and Mo and I have been around some people that have you know done pretty well in their lives uh, as far as music goes. And the problem that they find is they've, they've sold a gold record, they've sold a platinum record, but but there's no finish line for this. So what you just keep running, and but the question is for what? And yeah. that's what Paul's driving for. That's it. It's the justification that we're looking for. Justify my existence that I'm even here to begin with. Um, why am I here? It's, it's like we joke, you, you don't see your dog having like a you know, existential crisis over his, his food bowl. That is the one thing that humans have that separates us from any other animal or mammal is that we know we're here and we want to know why. And Paul is saying that that's not a new idea. That's not something brand new that Carl Jung figured out. It's not something that Tony Robbins, he's figured out how to monetize it, but he's not figured it. It's not something he figured out. This is not a brand new idea. This is as old as humanity. Uh, the who am I? Why am I here? Yeah. And so what the justification is, is the idea that my existence to even be here to begin with is justified because the God of the universe became a man. And in the form of a man, lived a perfect life, was crucified, buried, resurrected on the third day to get us forgiven of our sins, right, to pay for our sins. But in doing so, justifies our existence, because if he did that, then you certainly were you were supposed to be here. Like, that's not a small idea that he would do that for you. And in doing so with your sins forgiven, you are now. It is just as if I'd never done it, but it's I'm, my existence is justified and my identity. So forgiveness is about your behavior. This is the long way of saying it. This is the short way. Forgiveness is about your behavior. Justified is about your identity. Um, they are two sides of the same coin. Uh, I have to have my sins forgiven to be able to be into that 
uh, uh, justified existence. And, you know, part of justification is the forgiveness of my sins. Like it's, it's, it's a quarter, it's heads or tails. Yeah, I've heard it said this way too. Uh, so forgiven would be that you've been made righteous and justified would be that you are now being righteous or it's, it's a, yeah, I can um, see that. It's a, this, this renewal, this constant be to, to be righteous. Yeah. You're living in righteousness. So made righteous, forgiven. Now justify you are being righteous. Yeah, I can see that. It's interesting you would use that language, made righteous, because what is super relevant from our culture right now is not being made righteous, but being made to be made to be righteous. <laughs> right. Um, yes. <laughs> what we are experiencing on a way that I'm uh, presently uncomfortable with, yeah. to say the least, uh, a, a very – a spiritual part of me would say I'm actually terrified of this because the implications are horrible. But this idea that um, being made righteous or justified that I'm now, this is my identity uh, based upon behavior. So Paul's that, which is the whole thing, right? This whole enchilada is that I am not going to be made justified or righteous based on my faithfulness, but based on his faithfulness, not based on my works, but based on his work. Um, but in our culture right now, what's happening here um, is that there's this whole idea of what it means to be right, to be in the culture, to be accepted, to be uh, yeah. what's accepted, what's not accepted. And it, it's a moving target for sure. And so, like, for instance, it's it, uh, it's not sufficient to be not a racist. Now it's you have to be anti-racist. And am I anti-racist enough? Uh, is and. That's a that not only do the goalpost move. That's an impossible thing to know. But so yeah. now I'm being made to be made righteous uh, based on this idea, and so that's gonna. And how do I get made righteous? It's by my works. It's by my Facebook posts. It's by my Twitter feeds. Am I participating in uh, in the protests? Am I you know? And if you're not, um, then you're not righteous, and you are not justified, and you are out. Yeah. Um, th- and that's just the the racial problem. We, we we're seeing it with. Literally, almost every corner of our of our society, the most obvious and glaring, of course, is what's happening with vaccine mandates, mm-hmm. um, uh, with mask mandates. Um, you, you sit and watch a guy on a plane pull his mask down, eat his peanut, put his mask back up again. Is he literally any safer than he was? And the answer is absolutely not. Like, there's not even a, a remote scientific idea that that would make him safe, but it makes him righteous. According to uh, if he yes, shows up on Instagram, exactly. And I had a conversation with somebody this past week who, where that happened, where he pulled his mask down on a plane, and to eat, and had a passenger on the plane completely berate him oh, man. for that, and caused a whole scene. And and this one of my good buddies uh, was was almost moved to tears telling me this story, he, um, both in just frustration and in anger. Yeah, and. Like, you know, who, who are these people, right, to, to say that? And I try to encourage him by just saying, look, we, we as believers have to identify. We have to identify something. We have to identify that there's this idea. You can call it maybe a spirit of self-righteousness, a self-righteousness that is everywhere in our culture. And then there's obviously God's righteousness, and that we have to take on God's righteousness. Like we have to receive that. We have to accept that and operate in that and live in that righteousness that he has given us. 
but there's this self-righteousness that is everywhere right now. And we have to identify that and then you know, say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Like, yeah. like, it, some, like an empathy sh- should come over us. Um, and there's, a, there's also a, um, a righteous anger that's spoken about in Scripture. And that's coming from, from, from God, right? Like there's a, there's a righteous anger that we can have. And what do we do with all this? Like as believers, like what's the practical, like yeah. in that moment, yeah. what does he do? What does he say? What looks like Christ? Yeah. How does he quell his selfish <laughs> anger and put on righteous, godly anger and respond in passion <laughs> and squelch this self-righteousness that seems to be contagious? It is so. It's interesting you would use that language, self righteousness, because it is that, and it's not just a mask mandate. Um, it's like this, because um, obviously, if someone's raging at you because you took your mask off to eat on a plane, that's actually not anger. That's fear. Like that's a uh, that person was very from. afraid. The root. And so, yeah, there's an empathy that that we can have, and 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 God, please give me more of it. Um, because I, I tend to just frame things on whether it's true or not. Sure. <laughs> and 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 there's there's wisdom in that, by the way, because that is that is reality, and and yet how to respond in that, um, in in those moments, um, is a real question. I mean, I, I can say this for here's where I am with it, and I'm just, um, as as the pandemic went on, and as Dr. Fauci said, it's not two ma- it's not one mask, but two masks. Um, as it was, uh, at one point they actually admitted that they made up the six foot rule. Like that's actually a true story, by the way. Yeah. Like at one point they were looking around going, why do we say six feet again? Does anybody remember why we said six feet? We just made it up, which is why the who for like a year still had three feet on theirs. Right. Um, but, but at some point I had to look at it and say, okay, well, this is all nuts. Um, if a, if a business owner, uh, requires a mask to shop in their store, like I wouldn't make a scene and demand my rights. I would just go shop someplace else. Um, they have the right to say that I don't have them. This is, by the way, this is 100% Darren's opinion. This is not a thus saith the Lord. This is a thus saith the Darren. Um, but for me saying, okay, I'll just, I'll shop someplace else. I mean, I actually re, I re, uh, I re, reacquainted myself with Sam's Club this last year. And I was a Costco nut, man, for the last 20 years. And I went back to Sam's Club uh, because they weren't requiring it. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll go where they're not requiring it. Um, and I just don't make a scene. And, and on the other hand, I, you know, I definitely want to benefit and uh, especially local businesses that are, that are welcoming people that are, you know, free to make right. their choice. Because we, we're not, I'm not saying don't get vaccinated. I'm saying don't get that. You know, just do what you feel the Lord is leading you to do. Um, and you're welcome here at Conduit, whether you are or aren't. You're, whether, you're welcome whether you're master or you're not master. You're, we're not going to justify you based on that, right? right. Um, and I, that, by the way, goes down the line that whatever behaviors, you know, we're saying, come as you are, you're welcome here and let the Lord, you know, convict you of your, you know, I don't have to be the one to convict you of it. Um, and for me, like being able to even go back to this and say, because I've been justified by faith and not by works, um, it, it actually takes the, a, the pressure off me to try to behave and to impress God. And it also allows me empathy for those around me. Uh, in a way that it is, a, it's, 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 if I get angry and rage back, then I'm actually reacting out of fear as well. Sure. Um, there is a righteous anger and rage is not it. Yeah. If you are raging, that is not a righteous anger uh, because that's fear. 
Um, and by the way, one of the ways to test yourself on that is if you get done with that and you say, man, I feel really good about myself. <laughs> right. okay, that's probably not <laughs> righteous anger. From and we're, we're raging um, behind our keyboards, too. Oh, yeah. You know, this just this compulsion to reply and respond to things yeah. we disagree with. Well, you know, that's what's um, fascinating. So we're, again, back to justice, justification. Although they're all the, 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 the same word, like the etymology all exists. Justice, sure. justification, social justice, warrior. Like the word is everywhere. Yes. Um, and it's interesting that literally right now, uh, like in Congress, there's a whistleblower from Facebook, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the, by the way, the only newspaper that I have actually not canceled my subscription to now in the last two years. Uh, and there have come some moments, I might add, where I'm even like, oh, no, no, Wall Street Journal, you're losing your mind too. But they, they've had the, the Facebook papers over the last – Yeah. Um, but, but what's wild, and actually there's even an op-ed piece today that one of the things that they're saying don't curb – because the, the, what, here's what Congress wants. Congress wants to clamp down on speech. Cl- Congress wants them to go in and to police yes. speech. Um, the problem with that, going back to Romans 4, is they're trying to fix a system, not a sin. And the justification by works, by righteousness, by your life, that's social media in a nutshell. It's literally, it's an entire system set up on judgment. Do I like this photo? Do I not like it? Does it make me angry? Does it make me, I'm judging you on your stuff. You're judging me. And I'm actually allowing you to see what I want to judge of my life. And you're allowing me to see what I want to judge of your life. That's literally the whole thing. And so when I'm posting a photo or whatever, uh, you know, and, and the likes, it's like, you know, there's this part of it that um, it, that inherently in and of itself is not sinful. Mm-hmm. But what it does is give me a mirror into my heart and who I am. Um, and here's why, because like, I mean, I could sum up like all these congressional hearings and all this in uh, basically the concept is that. The algorithms are set up. If if Darren likes this, if Darren interacts with this kind of content, we'll show him more of it. And what the mirror is, is that what we tend to interact the most with are things that make us uh, glad. Uh, but more than that, p- things that make us afraid or make us angry. And so that when they talk about the echo chamber, when they talk about that, that's what it is, is that I've, I've reacted to this. And this algorithm is like a sociopath. A digital sociopath. Yeah. It has no conscience. It's just giving me a mirror of what kind of content I like. And yes. whatever content I like is what it's going to show me. And what it's showing me is me. Yeah. And that's why uh, this whole Romans thing has been so important. Because what's true about you, what's true about me, is that my heart is in need of salvation. And my Facebook feed is proof. The whole Facebook thing is is scary you know, quick sidebar, isn't it interesting that they don't have a thumbs down for this whole thing? Like you can like something and you can have a little anger emoji, but there's yeah. no thumbs down. <laughs> there's There's got to be a reason why they haven't added that into uh, likes or dislikes. But Francis Hogan, the whistleblow- whistleblower for for Facebook that is in front of Congress, one of the things that they are pushing for is a data protection agency. So just like we have Department of Homeland Security or um, all these different agencies that protect us, the next iteration and something that they're considering is a data protection agency that 
uh, can monitor, that will monitor the algorithms, not necessarily monitor the algorithms, but find trends and patterns of algorithms that the government sees fit to like or comment on. Wow. So, I mean, that's wow. ni- so 1984, right? Wow. <laughs> George, our buddy George, uh, uh, what was it, Ministry of Truth uh-huh. in the book? I mean, that's exactly where we're, we're heading, um, which speaks to also this idea of China's social credit system that's going to be coming to the United States very soon. You talked about it on Sunday, even. I did. Um, and it's, again, this almost like this, this righteousness that they're trying to govern, a, a system, a process of humanity, humanity's righteousness. Oh. It is exactly that. And it's like a scorecard. In a weird way, it's like if you're – so if you're progressive and – let, let just, let's not say progressive. Let's say if you're a humanist, if you're whatever, and you want us to be graded on behavior, which is what they're really saying. Oh, 100%. You know, which, by the way, is what every good Muslim um, True. is saying as well. Grade you on your behavior. Um it it literally begs the question who gets to be the one that gives the grade and the reason that we look at something and if you don't know what the, the the social credit system in china this is 2016 is when they first started launching it in the last year they actually took over an american company uh that is a semiconductor company that they uh, own 51% of because they, this company thought they could make money in China. Anyway, uh, they basically, uh, they meaning a Chinese company, and there's no such thing as an independent Chinese company. They're all government Correct. controlled. Took over this company, took over the con- uh, all the technology, and they're using this technology to where there are literally tens of millions and soon to be hundreds of millions of cameras everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah, I think I read somewhere it's four cameras for every person. It's nuts, dude. I mean, think about that. That's that means it's four billion cameras. Then. It's insane amount of cameras in uh, uh, what's the big city that they're doing this in? Wow. I can't remember the name of the city. It's an ungodly amount of right. cameras. It's Minority Report. And so think about it from just a very simple perspective of everything you do now is being monitored by, like. Driving home from work, if you're speeding, you're now that's going on your score. Like, yeah, I pulled up their their little uh, credit system scoring sheet. Oh, yeah, there's a sh- there's a little yeah, sheet. I oh. found I found like a little. Can you grade yourself? Is info it like a, just, <laughs> find a little info find card. Your score. So like you can gain points by engaging in charity work. You can gain points by doing that. You know, you donate to a charity, you participate in charity work. You're gaining points. Taking care of your elderly family members, gaining, gaining points. points. You're a good, you're a good boy. You're a good son and daughter. Um, you can gain points by donating blood. It's another way to up your social score. Uh, praising the government on social media will get you extra credit. Wow. Uh huh. Um, by the way, at conduit, uh, you get a tithe deduction if you praise me on social media. <laughs> And there's ways that you can lose points. You can lose points by, uh, you know, a traffic offense, whether you're you're speeding, like you said, or even jaywalking is a a deduction of points. Um, Not visiting your aging parents regularly. So in other words, they will monitor the frequency in which you you visit your aging parents. There's probably some grandmas in America going, I'm I'm okay with that one. They're signing them up for that one. (laughs) Deduct that. 
obviously you lose points for posting anti-government messages on social media. So who yeah. defines that? Right. And points are probably the least of your worries at some point without you like, you lose your life. Spreading, quote unquote, rumors on the Internet. Wow. So who defines what a rumor is? Yeah. So that's how you lose a point. Um, particip- here's the one that scares me. Participating on anything deemed to be a cult. So wow. who defines what a cult is? I guarantee you I have some ideas of what they would perceive oh. us to be. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, obviously, they've already imprisoned in work camps two million Uyghur Muslims for re-education. Yes. Um, and so this credit system is is in the works. You can watch there's a, if you YouTube it. There's a little uh, like eight to nine minute documentary um, about this actual score that's taking place. And so when you lo- when you have a lower score, they were they were following this one gentleman around um, who has a low score for various reasons, and some of the reasons aren't his fault. And he went to go get on the subway, and you know everybody's carrying around a card, uh-huh. you know a digit, not even a card. It's on their phone. It's right. a QR code. I mean, this is real stuff. I'm not talking about a movie. Yeah. I'm talking about... This is Tuesday in Shanghai. Okay. Correct. And he goes to scan his QR code to get on the subway, and it's, it's a red X. He cannot, he cannot continue, and he's turned away. And then he talks about how he can't, uh, he can't rent an apartment because his social credit score is too low. And furthermore, they put... What they do is they put those with low credit score, not even credit scores, low social credit scores, they put their photos, their pictures up on the big LED screens all around downtown so you can identify who is scum of the earth. Like this actually is happening. What's wild about it, if you would have replaced China with uh, First Church of the Nazarene Superior Nebraska, that actually described how I thought Christianity worked for a really? lot of my childhood. Wow. Um, I get points for doing good stuff. I get deducted for being bad stuff. Um, True. And it's a lot of people's theology. Uh-huh. And that's what Paul is literally, I mean, he's, he is putting a dynamite right in the middle of that. And if, and, and it's so not, it's, this is not a small distinction. Like if we're saved by works, that's our lives and we will and that's the thing that makes me so uncomfortable with the uh with the social credit system in a communist country is that all it's going to prove is that you can't do it and uh otherwise you're going to well what you will end up doing what will end up happening uh it's probably already happening is you know people trying to game the system um People reporting other people because I'm assuming you get some points for reporting people who are not doing it, so you get some extra credit yes, for that. Like yeah. you can get some. See something, say something. Yeah, yeah. And we're already using that language here uh-huh. in America. So if we are, uh, in, if we use the word "saved" in a church setting, and you think it means heaven, and again, does not mean less than that. But the word "sozo," the word "saved," doesn't mean just heaven uh, in the future. It means life now. And so this desire in the inside of all of us to be, quote, saved, to have this abundant life now, um, if we try to legislate it like that, um, and I, look, it's so funny, I, I don't want to be a conspiracy theory guy, but man, they're making it hard. And uh, 
when you start talking this vaccine passport idea, look, I, and I swear to you, I've been vaccinated for so many things. I could survive germ warfare. Okay, <laughs> So because um, I don't know if you know how they do this. If you uh, if you're going to like Africa and you go to Vanderbilt, it's like they work on commission over there. Because they'll be like, okay, well, you know, here's this one here. And if you, you know, well, well, I don't know, do I need that one? Yeah, well, if you don't, uh, you, you, it's going to wrinkle up and fall off. So you better, you know, like, well, gosh, I don't want anything wrinkling up and falling off. So you better vaccinate for me that. And like $1,500 later, I'm walking out like vaccinated for everything. So I'm not anti that. I am anti passport that now I'm holding in my hand that because that is a... I'm I'm 50 years old, and if there's anything I've seen, I mean, how many times am I taking my flipping shoes off at the airport? Right, I'm watching a senior citizen, little old lady, taking her shoes off because she was randomly selected for our right. safety. Right, that was not there, there's that's safety theater. That's yeah. not helping anyone. And yeah. my point is, is that they gave some uh, some power to a government organization that was created specifically to quote unquote keep us safe. That now means I keep losing shampoo bottles um, and. Uh, in the name of safety, my point is they, they didn't, once we figured out that wasn't working, nobody in the government said, oh, well, let's just change our minds and, and retract this power that we've taken. It never happens that way. They only expand, not decrease the power. Toothpaste is out of the tube. And the other thing that came across today is uh, the U.S. federal government is ordering Google and other search engines to track and provide data on anyone who searches certain terms through, quote, unquote, keyboard warrants. This is a new phrase that's keyboard popped up. Keyboard warrants. Yeah, keyboard warrant. So in other words, if you're on a Google, uh, what do they call it when you do the, you can't see me now? Incognito. incognito. That's not as incognito as you were yeah. are led to believe, by the way. Right, because if it's a keyboard warrant. Yeah, so if you're searching for things you shouldn't be searching for based upon their guidelines. Do they have any terms that they are yes. suggesting would be searchable? Yes. Offenses? So it also came out this past week or this past couple weeks that they have now defined there's new definition for domestic terrorists. Okay. As applied by the Department of Homeland Security. Okay. So um, like y- you can say con- conspiracy theorist, but if you are considered to be a conspiracy theorist, however, that's defined, um, which are defined for the Department of Homeland Security as non-evidence-based arguments. That's the phrase. Non-evidence-based arguments is a conspiracy theory. Wow. Could you think of a more broad statement? So if you believe in a non-based evidence argument and are purporting that or pushing that, you are now on the list as a domestic terrorist. If you have opposition towards any conversation relating to trans or CRT or anything that's considered woke, right? Um, it's considered hate speech now. Th- these are defined. This is actually wow. defined by the Department of Homeland Security. Um, another one that will get you on the list is opposition to COVID measures, which in their definition equals putting people at risk. So you are now a domestic terrorist and a threat. And so all of these things are being defined (laughs) right before our eyes and happening at a warp speed within the past. I mean, we're 20 months into this and think of everything that's been put into place in 20 months. Now I will say from my own, I don't know, perspective, again, this is a, thus saith the Darren, I I saw that Dr. Fauci was, uh, 
was just, he wasn't sure whether we could get together with our families for Christmas yet. Yeah, he said that like last week. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, what? We're still talking about that? Like, you understand, like, nobody's listening to you anymore. So there's a part of me that's like, okay, um, the, 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 at least in the United States, uh, that they're still rolling the tide, you know, at the games, uh, whether or not he gets, says I get to go home for Christmas or not. Um, but the pro- I guess the problem with that is that when you, you hear a guy like that say that, he's actually the guy that gets to decide what is evidence-based yes. science at this point. I mean, remember, he, so he yes. made that statement, if you're questioning me, you're questioning the science. Like, oh, dear Lord. Like, I'm the science? Um, right. Maybe it's a misstep or maybe it was a Freudian slip, but either way, you're, you're, you're talking to a guy that if I can't question that, I mean, if you remember, it was a year ago that, I mean, like the most obvious thing to think about was, hey, it's Wuhan, China. This thing is the Wuhan virology. You know, the, you, we all know the Stephen Colbert clip now with John yeah. Stewart, but um, it's actually become pretty like acceptable wisdom right now that, you know, the most obvious thing is that probably that's where, you know, yes. but a year ago that was considered not evidence-based. Correct. In a conspiracy theory. Yeah. So I, yeah. I guess, man, um, hmm. When you think about it on a macro level like that in a world setting, I can see why God at the beginning, why, why it was so important that we could be justified by faith. Yeah. Because if it were about, look what we do, man, <laughs> as humans. And so quickly. And so quickly. Look, look how we behave, man, when it comes to uh, trying to be quote unquote righteous, to be quote unquote justified. Uh, whether it's in our society, your place in society, your place in, you know, your family or, you know, we do some crazy stuff and it just spirals out of control. I mean, to think that in Canada, there are still uh, people reporting their neighbors for having more than six people at their houses. And we have a stadium with 70,000 people about eight hours south. Like, you know, who gets to decide that stuff? And that's a, that's the if, if we're justified by that. Um, we're going to end up with social credit systems. If we're justified by uh, our behavior, we're going to be behaving badly in, you know, online and, uh, and in the kingdom of God. I mean, when you look back to uh, people who specifically have um, aversion towards Christianity will oftentimes point to the Crusades and um, how people behaved. And my response to that is actually quite simple. That was not Christianity. Um, that was salvation by work that was justified by work. And that's why God from the very beginning in the garden said that I'm going to cry. Your seed is going to crush his head. Speaking, you know, the, the proto evangelicum, the first mention of the gospel in Genesis three, uh, it was not that Eve and Adam are going to work your way out of this. It was, there was going to be a seed, a, a son that would come from her, uh, that would be it's literally like the prophecy of a virgin birth in Genesis 3 uh, that there had to be another it's, and when you think about it from God's perspective if he loved us that much that he would go to this trouble because he could have just wiped us all out and started over again and I got to tell you there are days I'm like man that might have been a bad idea God I mean no harm no foul but, but he, he loved us enough that he didn't start it over and he loved us enough that he knew that left to our own devices and I guess, you know, this, is, this might sound really silly, but when I was young, I used to worry about uh, in heaven, 
in eternity. If Lucifer, right, Satan, who technically didn't have the power of choice, whatever, if he could rebel and choose against God, what's to say that when I'm in eternity that I wouldn't do that myself? Interesting thought. Right? I was a weird kid. Um, I could just nod it. <laughs> but that was, a, that was a thought I had, and it carried with me a long time um, into that. And I have to believe that part of the reason is, is that we're about to have, when we all stand in eternity together, we're going to have, I don't know, seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 years of human history where we'll all be able to say, oh, no, no, we tried that too. We tried Saved by Works. We tried Social Credit System. We tried all of it, and none of it worked. Um, and I, there's a little bit of grace in that of him allowing it, you know, capitalism, Marxism, socialism, all the isms, all the democracies, the, you know, all, the, all of it, because at the end of the day, it was the sin in our hearts that had to be dealt with, not the systems that we're existing in. And yes. Justified by faith is not a small distinction. Yeah, and some may be wondering, like, why, why, do you, why do you talk about current events? Why do you, you know, how does this really impact my faith? Like, what does this have to do with my walk with Christ? How does it have anything to do with Romans? I would, I would just challenge you to maybe look around a little bit. Um, and, you know, we have, we have friends in Canada that are dealing with, with this. Um, like, they're, they're, coming, they're coming for all of us. I think that's for all of us, yeah. believer or unbeliever. But just having the ability to gather and meet while that may be true right now here in the U.S., like we're able to do that again in most parts of the country, although not everywhere. The coasts are still slow to gather. Right. Um, but here in the southeast, we're back to full power. Yeah. But that's not necessarily true in Canada. Like there's – they just – in New Brunswick, I was reading an article today that in New Brunswick yesterday, they went full lockdown again. No way. 50% capacity. Six feet apart. Uh, wow. Vaccinations required or um, if, if not required at the door for a church, then you have to follow all these parameters. Yeah, 50% capacity, six feet apart, no singing, no chanting. Um, so here's why this is absolutely maddening. And they have, they're releasing the, the checks. So they have, they're, they're releasing police to do church to church checks on Sunday, knocking on doors to check that you are compliant or you're, you're faced with, uh, monetary fines. Wow. Like this is like, again, not like a, a, something that could happen or something that we're, you know, watched in a movie or like this, this happened yesterday and it's happening right now to our brothers and sisters. Not in China, in Canada, you could get a Tim Hortons double, double, uh, apparently as long as there's less than 50% of you. Here's why this is maddening to me anyway. Once again, we saw a surge of numbers. Okay. Once again, we saw that, hey, there were some people uh, that, that got really sick. And, and, um, and there's some questions about whether how effective the vaccines were with that and how effective people's antibodies are. I know you just got your antibodies tested and you're rocking your antibodies. But, rocking. but, but you put all that aside and just look at, the, the, look at this on a chart and say that – um, when you so the last three months, last six months, whatever, the last surge of numbers, New York, California, Tennessee, Florida, no difference in the numbers. <laughs> no. the, the the restrictions zero. made zero difference in it again. And so there's this little bit of a humbling that I that humanity I was hoping would at some point we take a deep breath and say, okay, we need to be 
uh, kind of humble about this and say that there are some things that we can't stop. And there are some things that the cost of stopping it are too great. Because, I mean, Australia can say they're stopping it, but they're killing their country. Yeah, crushing their country. New Zealand uh, has walked back this past week their zero COVID goal. Finally. Yeah. So the goal over there in Australia and New Zealand has been literally zero COVID. Zero COVID cases is the goal. Think of the arrogance of that <laughs> statement, that we can defeat a virus, <laughs> that the, the rest of the world Laughable. can't figure this out, but we're going to defeat it. That is yeah. arrogance. Yeah. And so, yeah, New Zealand has, has walked that back. Good. Um, of course, they've tur- they, you know, turned on the machine of you know, propaganda and everything else uh, to push, obviously, you know, vaccinations you know, to the extreme. Um, wow. And, you know, separation and, and all these other mitigating factors. But still, I mean, that's this is this is like real life. This yeah. is happening, and it is intersecting with our faith. Like, there's an intersection. Yeah, and I and I add to that another intersection of our faith, and that is that if we're living in a world where we are being justified personally or justifying each other or groups, I should say, by work, then we are either in the mob, taking someone down, or we are a victim of the mob, uh, being taken down. Yeah. And I don't want to be uh, either one of those, but if I had to choose, I would choose the one being taken down by the mob because the mob, I don't think Jesus is glorified in mobs. Um, uh, mobs have a, a pretty bad history of, of, of bad decision-making when you get into a mob mentality with something. And the swarming of people uh, canceling, fired, destroying their lives, literally taking away property and their ability to earn money and... Uh, without any sort of due process in our country, that's literally anathema to our constitution. It's anathema to our God-given human rights. And when it comes to, uh, back to Romans, whether I'm doing that in a Christian setting where I'm casting someone out um, because uh, I'm more righteous than they are or in a society setting, like none of that's good for me. Like I want to, it's like, I heard somebody say they were talking about the um, the Beatitudes and Jesus, you know, blessed are you of this. But, the, you know, it talks about and he goes, uh, you've heard it said that if you've uh, if you've ever if you've killed your brother, whatever if I say, if you even just say he's a fool, then you're in danger of of hell. And so when someone reads the Beatitudes and says, oh, those are so beautiful, I'm like, you're not reading that right. Right. It's not Lord, give me the Beatitudes. It's Lord, save me from the Beatitudes, because he's saying, once again, that social credit system that Jesus lays out in the Beatitudes is that we can't do it. It's not beautiful. It's terrifying. And give me the grace of God all day long and let me live out of that, um, not out of fear, but out of his grace and let it impact and affect my decisions. Uh, I do think that church, I think we should have and we should continue to. Uh, respond differently to things that are that the world is afraid of. Um, I, I'm I'm about ten times tired of um, you should if you if you don't wear a mask you don't love your neighbor if you didn't get a vaccine you didn't love your neighbor. There's literally no way in scripture that you can possibly make that sort of a blanket statement about. It's at best uh, scriptural gymnastics with it. But what we can say is that um, we are a chosen people that we are not. Uh, we don't live in fear. Like if I, well, what's the worst that happens to me? I die. Sure. 
that's awesome. Like that's not. So what are we really scared of? And at the same time, thinking you know, throughout history, when the plagues and the bubonic plague and all the plagues that have come through Europe, it was the Christians never shrunk back. The Christians did not fold like napkins. They died saving lives. They died uh, trying to make the life, the world better for those around them. Uh, following Jesus, and you know, I, I can't speak for other churches and how God's going to lead them, but I can say that's how God has led Conduit, and He is leading us, and will continue to lead us. Uh, that we said it a year and a half ago, and we continue to say it. We don't gather to risk lives; we gather uh, because it saves lives. Yeah. Um, and we are not justified because we gather; we gather because we're justified. It's good. There's work to do. I mean, there's a sense of urgency. I think that we all feel and we all know, and so. With that, we need to know what we believe and double down on it. Um, this isn't going away. You know, we talked about this, you know, a year and a half ago, a little bit, that, you know, it's going to increasingly get more difficult. Um, but did you really think it was going to be? There's a part of me that thought maybe we're over we're overcooking this a little bit. But now I'm like, oh, geez, we weren't we weren't Not, nearly cooking you, it enough. Know who you're talking to? Uh, and that's fair. <laughs> okay, never mind. I retract the question, Your Honor. <laughs> I'm sorry. There was a part of me that was like, man, maybe maybe uh, maybe the world's going to come to their senses. Uh, Not a chance. Uh-uh. No, and. And, and, and again, not out of fear, but it's 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 not going to get any better, which means it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It will. And how do we live in a world where um, it's as difficult as it is and um, in, in, in ideologies, in just practical, in, at the practical level? You know, I met with someone today for lunch that, you know, they have to make a decision. They've made a decision. And... Um, you know, they may lose their job over their decision in the next two weeks. Yeah. Right. Like it's, this is coming down to the practical pay my bills, you know, livelihood yeah. for many people. And they've done the risk assessment for themselves and they know where they stand. Yeah. You know. And so how do we, though, as believers, encourage one another, uplift one another, um, link arms with one another and and carry on with our faith intact? And um, to be led by the Spirit, uh, full of truth, um, it can be it can be uh, a heavy burden to bear this world that we live in. Um, but his yoke yeah. is easy. It can be, but you know, one of the things that I take a lot of solace in is that for so for whatever reason, for the last two hundred years, there's this experiment that the world did called uh, democracy. Democracy, yes. Okay. Over, over 200 years ago, however. Like, and before that, there was never a country that was led by any anything other than dictator, a king, a tyrant. This is the first time ever in the history of humanity was this not the way that it's done. So this is a little bit of an experiment that we've done here. And, and it's been, a, uh, so far, a successful one. But what we have experienced here in the last couple hundred years is the exception to history, not the rule of history. And so... When you think of it that way, like, hey, that's been awesome. This has been a great ride. And whatever's coming for the future, better or worse, we are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are still, Paul was writing to a group of Christians who were oppressed in the city of Rome, writing to a group of Christians who were, uh, like, government was restricting them. And by the way, they violated those restrictions and gathered anyway. Um, But they just, he just, like, can you? Paul would not shrink back. He just wouldn't. And 
I don't know. I mean, I don't want to like over romanticize this, but I also don't want to under spiritualize it, which is that like this is a pretty exciting time to be alive. Oh, for sure. Like if Jesus is like returning, like the disciples wanted to be here for this. Yeah. You know, I don't know. There's part of me thinks that will there be uh, in heaven the stories of earth like we tell the stories of Peter, James and John. Like I'd love to have the stories of Micah, Moe and Darren being told, you know, right? Like. And and here's the story. What I don't here's the story I don't want told is that we were hiding out um, and waiting for some all clear sign that was never going to come. Yes. Uh, we have not, and there's uh, there's not a planet under which we would do that. Like they talk about the fight or flight thing inside of a human. My fight has been fully engaged, and uh, and I'm not fighting against people. We're fighting for them, yes. and uh, to to that end. Um, I'm still pretty energized by this and I'm pretty energized because it's what God, like God made us for this moment. That's right. And the world around us right now is if, uh, in my lifetime, I've never seen the, the kind of fear that I see in, in people, the kind of fear that would literally make somebody dress down a complete stranger on a plane because he took his mask down to eat a peanut. Like that's pretty scared world. Yeah. And, you know, the old A.W. Tozier line that we've used a hundred times around here, right? A frightened world needs a fearless church. And we get a chance to be that right now. And I I can't speak for everybody, but I know that we've been told over and over and over again how grateful people were for what happened at Conduit these last few years. And I don't take credit for that at all. We have leaders in this church that locked arms fearlessly together this was not a one man these were we didn't make these decisions arbitrarily or capriciously and over and over again have heard uh, last night even at place of hope man heard from guys that um they said this is a true story last night we were uh sharing at place of hope and it's a place for alcohol and addiction recovery and there was a a girl that was leading an na a narcotics anonymous and she said that she called everybody she could and not a single church would let them meet there last year except us uh, which was, by the way, baffling to me. And, by, and, and in fairness to my if my pastor friends are listening to this, she probably didn't call you because I my pastor friends, I'm thinking she must not have called the right churches. Right, exactly. Um, but it, it was just shocking to me. And then to meet another guy there last night named Kevin who said he got out of, uh, of he got out of uh, treatment at Place of Hope in March of 2020 and walked out into a world where everything shut down. He was isolated, there was no AA, there was no sponsor that would meet with him. Mm. And he slipped right back in and almost died uh, this last year because we shut churches down. Um, that story's not being told? No, no, that guy was like sobbing. And this is by the way, a grown man that I'm 100% sure could beat my butt without even thinking about it. Like, like I would want him on my side if we were in a, a physical altercation, but was sobbing because uh, he's like, just felt like he was completely, he was, he was completely alone last year. Um, and I can speak with a experience on that, that our place of hope waiting list has been mm. long Wow, the last year, uh, be- because of that very reason, people falling back into addiction again. Wow. Be encouraged church. I know there's a lot, there's a lot that we're dealing with in, in, uh, in society and outside the four walls of the church, but the church isn't the four walls. The church is us together, as us as believers, living and working together, um, telling the good news to those that don't have it, those that are in fear. If maybe they hear the good news of the gospel, they hear of 
the good news of what's happened in your life through Jesus Christ, that they would not have to live in fear any longer. And so like, we are the hope of the, we are the hope of the world through Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you to continue to be the light, to kick the bushel over and to be the light, to be that the church would be the city on a hill that's shining brightly um, in a beacon in a very dark time right now. Um, and so as we continue to go through Romans, um, it's there's there's more theologically rich material coming up. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, look, what it, look, look how chapter five. I'm actually I think I'm jealous because I think Mo's going to end up getting to do five. Actually, no, if I play my cards right, I might get to do the first few verses of five. Huh. Cross my fingers. He, chapter five starts. Therefore. So after Paul makes this great big case for justified by faith. Since we've been justified through faith, right, not through our social credit system or through our Facebook pages or whatever, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and that's it. Like, that's literally what he's, like, we're saying, like, right now. Like, this other stuff gives me no peace at all. Yeah. But when I'm, okay, I don't have to do this. I, no. I don't have to play this little game. I can be justified through faith. Um, verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of the Lord. And then he goes on and talks about like boasting even in our glory and our sufferings, you know, because the suffering is giving perseverance. Like God is not wasting any of this, none of it. Uh, And I mean, I would say maybe I'd be a little more scared if I, I know I'd be a lot more scared if I didn't have the faith uh, that I've seen God come through over the last, my entire life. Um, and I pray that you know, anybody listening right now, that if you're, if you're scared, you know, ask yourself, why? Uh, what am I afraid of? What am I losing here? And take time in the word, take time in worship, take time in what you're putting in your mind and your hearts right now um, to allow that to feed you uh, faith. But it's, it's, it doesn't mean there may, there may not be some fearful moments, but fear doesn't have to own your narrative. Faith can own your narrative. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, get ready for a, a fascinating year, right? Because if we didn't think uh, who who would have thought? Here we are, right? It's you know, it's it's uh, September, and we get we still like Dr. Fauci. Doctor, like, I don't even know who he was, right? And uh, he's still talking about whether we get together for Christmas. Um, you know, three months from now, we're going to be in January of 2022. Wow, already, and um, we've all we've all learned a lot these past two years. Yep, and. Um, how how are we going to respond? Like, how are we going to head into this new year? Obviously, this year is not over, but as it winds down, um, what can we take with us as we head into a new year, a new season? I mean, the, the seasons are changing. I'm actually wearing a hoodie today uh, for the first time in a while. Can, can we both admit though that it was a, might be a little premature for the hoodie? Was this like a, a faith hoodie? Like, okay, it was a little chilly when I left the <laughs> when I left the house this morning. <laughs> So I'm a little excited about, about fall. <laughs> I've kept it on for the day. <laughs> and I'm probably going to have to take it off when I walk out of this office because I'm burning up. But I'm starting to pull out my hoodie. Yeah. The seasons are changing. Yeah. I mean, look at me. I'm wearing my You're long wearing sleeve. You're wearing a long sleeve thermal, yeah. thermal so don't, you yeah, know, don't give me too much heat. Uh, seasons are changing, and uh, that's that's always a good thing. There's always there's always hope, right, with that. There's yeah. like there's a new season. Um it's like you watch it, the, the new season of, of your favorite show. Like, you know, it, it, there's, there's, a, there's another story to be told. And so as we head into this different season uh, of fall, 
Um, just pray that the Lord continues to, to give us wisdom and, and lead us and lead this church as we serve this community. Hey, if you guys uh, are listening to this, would you let us know? Like hundreds of people are downloading this, and we do. Like I'll bump into somebody uh, like the pizza place, and uh, like, oh man, we love you know. Where, where was the podcast? So I know there's at least two people out there, right? Because they've told me. Uh, but let us know, like info at conduitchurch.com, and also um, I know this is like I feel so pathetic, um, but if you could put reviews on iTunes or whatever it is you're listening to this stuff, it actually does help. It's weird, but it helps. Yeah. You know, unless your review is bad and then you can go leave that on like the church of the city one or something like go find like tell Dar- I'll email Darren Whitehead again. I've been busted his chops. He's getting a lot of emails from you. I know. Right. <laughs> but by the way, I love Darren because uh, he spells his name right. And he's like the Australian version of me. But uh, but leave a good review uh, for us there just to help get the get this out because we there are people listening. And we'd love to you know see more and more come into that fold. So. If you live in Franklin uh, or in the area, Middle Tennessee, come uh, come check us out. 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. More information about anything and everything we're doing at conduitchurch.com. And we just, uh, we're just so grateful that you do take time to listen with us each and every week. And we hope that you have a great week. 